0: Good morning to you. The scripture reading today comes to us from the book of Acts, four or five verses. We're going to look at verse 3 of chapter 27, and then I'll read verses 11 through 15 of Acts 28. Let's give our full attention to this. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. Then chapter 28, starting verse 11. On his travel toward Rome, His final destination, his ambition in life, Apostle Paul, was to spread the gospel as far and wide as he could. He finally arrives at Rome after that shipwreck ordeal in Acts 27. We pick up at verse 11. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island. A ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting it at Syracuse. We stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Puteoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. He had friends who invited him to stay for seven days. And he finally arrived in Rome. Verse 15. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Almost everywhere, almost at all times, Apostle Paul wouldn't have made it in life or completed his gospel ministry without real friends. Surrounded by, accompanied, invited over, taken care of, loved on. Prayed over, protected, guided, encouraged. Paul doesn't make it without friends. I don't know who does. Well, pre pandemic, did you know that in the United Kingdom, something pretty epic happened yesterday, supposedly epic? I did not watch it, but the United Kingdom declared, or they actually created an official government position. The title is Minister of Loneliness. Minister of loneliness, that's pre-pandemic. Recently, the U.S. Surgeon General declared there is an epidemic of isolation and loneliness. All the more so after the pandemic. Jesus came down to say in John chapter 15, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Could it be that Jesus came down and diagnosed this one of the deepest aches that every human being has long before the Surgeon General, long before the pandemic, and then he did something most remarkable to make it happen? Jesus said, and he promises and he wants to fulfill, I don't just want servants. I actually don't just want worshipers. I want friends. I want friends. You know, if you get around church or Christian things or cultures or organizations or movements sometimes, you're going to find some pretty serious people, and that's good. A lot of people are pretty serious about spiritual stuff, and they consider friend-making or the friendship business as a side or secondary business. But what if, according to Jesus, friend-making is the main business? What if making friends is the main business of Christianity? What if that is the primary? What if that's the most crucial? I mean, think about it. Any vision casting, strategic planning, even financial fundraising... Or evangelism programming or training. Which just means you want to bring non-believing friends to come to Christ. Or discipleship. Discipleship. That means learners and followers. You want to replicate. You want to raise up mature followers of Jesus Christ. Everything I just mentioned. That churches should be about. How are any of those things done better? Apart from making friends. Could it be. Making friends is the main business of the Christian faith. I've suggested to you three or four weeks ago on Easter Sunday is when we started this series and just keeps going on. Jesus, if he is the best of friends, turns around and makes his people better friends. If Jesus really is to you the best in all the world you could ever find, a friend for sinners, saving, helping, keeping, loving, faithful to the end, then he does change lives. That is our vision at CCSE. But exactly, precisely how does he change lives? He makes Christian people into better friends, better friends. I know you've probably forgotten by now, but about two weeks ago, we went over some of the fouls, the fouls that get in the way of people becoming better friends. But today in part two, three positive features, three positive practical features of better friends, okay? Number one first, priority time, priority time, Ajit Fernando, a Sri Lankan director of Youth for Christ decades ago, wrote a book which I just recently was so challenged and refreshed by entitled Reclaiming Friendship. Reclaiming Friendship. One of the points that he makes is that American culture just competes and chases out and squeezes out this essential ingredient to reclaiming friendship. What would that be? Time. Just time intentional priority time. God has blessed me with the finest of friends I could never deserve for over three decades. How were they created? Well, I just recall back in my undergrad years, uh, we spent a lot of time together. We lingered, we we went longer, longer, obviously too long, all-nighters. Some of them are my roommates. While our culture makes friendship making peripheral and optional because we're just all so darn busy and tired, friendship making itself though, however, if it is the main business of what Jesus came to do, it ought to be prioritized. Friendship making is fun and tricky, most rewarding and risky, but it requires you not to allow all the time to be squeezed out. Friendship. Friendship. How do you become a better friend? Regular priority time. Now let me say this. You may not invest in it. You may do nothing about it after this sermon. You may say, oh pretty good talk, but you know obviously I'm not gonna go and do that. Can I cautiously warn you you may dismiss it now until there comes a day you really need a friend do you know there are seasons and days that will guaranteed come where you really need a local church do you remember proverbs 17 verse 17 it reads a friend loves at all times A friend loves at all times. Maybe that's your spouse. I hope so. But do you have anyone who loves at all times, all kinds of times? Well, you know when you need a friend who would love you at all times, that doesn't just magically appear when you need it most. A friend who loves at all times only appears because you spent a lot of time there's been all kinds of time spent together in sharing of life, in giving and receiving. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Let me read this for us. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. You will be broken. You will feel alone. You might be left alone. You will fall down. You will fail. You will stumble you might get caught, you might be deserted. You will have a dark soul of the night, guaranteed. Question, will there be anyone around you to pick you up? Will there be someone else who comes and lifts you up? When you feel so cold and deadened, will there be warmth that revives you? Two is better than one. Oh, threefold though. Threefold. Very, very difficult to break. Priority time, priority time. You know, can I just say if you're a little bit younger, and by my definition of younger now is anyone under 40, that's young. You are thriving in life still under 40. Make and seize the opportunity. To spend intentional priority time to make good, real friends. Do it right now. The payoffs are far more enormous than the little you may sacrifice and put in right now. Do it right now when you're under 40. Because after 40, I'm sorry to say, you just get tired. You used to get crankier. You have less time in space. I mean, if you don't have good friends, tend, people tend to become a little crankier, more stubborn, more sinful. More sinfuler. And uh, you know, after the age of 40, you're just kind of stuck with the friends that you grew up with. And maybe some of them you can't even unfriend. It's really hard to unfriend them. But priority time. No substitute for us. We can't bypass it. Here's what C.S. Lewis once wrote to a friend by the name of arthur greaves here's what his observation friendship is the greatest of worldly goods certainly to me it is the happiness of life if i had to give a piece of advice to a young man about a place to live i think i should say sacrifice almost everything to live where you can be near to your friends i know i'm very fortunate in that respect does this ever factor Do you consider in a day and age where you could literally pack up and leave and just be in another part of the world tomorrow and start all over? When you say yes to that new job among the three options, do you ever prioritize friends? Well, certainly Apostle Paul did. And again, he doesn't make it without his network of friends. First practical feature. First practical feature. Above and beyond your solo Private life, above and beyond your work life, above and beyond your family life. Priority time. Priority time. Here's second. Here's second. Multidimensional care. Multidimensional care or holistic care. It is obvious when you care for someone, you will take care of their immediate physical needs. James says, if someone is cold, don't just pray for them and wish them well. Don't speak Christianese. Give them a coat. If someone is hungry, don't just again give them blessings of God, give them food. This is obvious to say, when you care for someone, physical, immediate needs are taken care of insofar as it is possible. But now, in friendship, there's all kinds of care that you can bring. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 9, we read this, oil and perfume make the heart glad, what gifts of God And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Earnest, heartfelt. And it's truthful counsel. It's good counsel. It's wise counsel. Look, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. There's wise and sweet counsel contrasted with the council of fools many other voices many other councils many other books many other even church friends that you need to discern is that really sweet in the long run or is it going to be poisonous it actually might make you sick but what do friends do for one another we counsel paracaleo we advocate we lift up we advise Multidimensional care. Another thing that we do in care, look at Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7 through 9. Here we read, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer. <laughs> right there just says flat out, don't reprove. Don't try to correct a scoffer or he will hate you. Do correct, reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Multidimensional care in friendship, physical care, counseling care. Here is corrective care. Corrective care, to correct and to be corrected. Now, in this day and age, I think this is crucial. Use this as a filter as to who you can trust to be good friends. Perhaps more than ever, you do need this filter right here in this passage as to who you should trust and invest and prioritize to become friends. I mean, obviously, Jesus does not call you to become friends with everyone and anyone who comes your way. You cannot and should not force friendship or trust friendship with a scoffer. Now, who are they? Who are scoffers? What is this? Scoffer is a particular category of Fool, sorry, I'm saying that, it's just biblical there. All kinds of different, that's like a variety of fools with different characteristics. All of us in this room are certain kinds of fools. But this kind of particular kind of fool is a scoffer. A scoffer is a person who loves to maximize and mock other people's faults, but never their own. A scoffer has a certain skill set, which I would venture to say makes that person popular in social media today clickbait stuff it's attractive stuff you see the more scoffing you are the more mocking and supposedly sophisticated about it the more extreme you are maybe you gain a little more following because you stand out scoffers are people who form divisive but short-lived clicks clicks now you see clicks are a group of people that mock and despise all others but it's always gonna be short-lived because it was based on scoffing. Now this kind of category of people, when you dare to correct, try to bring about some illumination, well, could you have thought about that before you posted this? Could you really clarify the facts that you thought you knew were correct but they're not correct? Could you have, did you seek any counsel before you drafted that letter? Mm, here the Proverbs warn, be very careful. When you correct a the scoffer, they will hate you, they will counsel you, they'll leave you. But with the wives, oh, with the wives, those who actually want to become more like Jesus, they'll love you for it, and they'll grow wiser with you for it. Holistic, multidimensional care correction correction certainly the proverbs do not tell you go ahead and correct right off the bat by after month one you just started making a friend go and just go for it go for all the corrections that you see no you need to be wise about that as well oh how about comfort actual comfort in Acts chapter 27 we just read it when Paul was at Sidon in the midst of all of his travels on his way to Rome Friends came out. Julius treated kindly. He was, was, he was left out to go and he was comforted by his friends. Comforted by his friends. Counsel, correction, comfort. Last but not least, under holistic care. Look at Acts chapter 28, which we just read. Paul has been virtually, almost constantly on the run. Like just troubles just attend, almost attracted to him. Turmoil. Restlessness, threats, insults, sleepless nights, betrayal—a life or death shipwreck occur- occurred to him in Acts chapter 27. Now, when he approaches Rome, finally, by Acts chapter 28, he is given a place to stay, stay, and then he is finally, when he arrives in Rome, we read in verse 15, in Rome, and the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us on seeing them. Paul thanked God and took courage. This is inestimable value that God brought into Paul's life. In the midst of all the turmoil and troubles, because of his friends, his heart pumped with praise and thanksgiving to God, and his friends gave him courage. They gave him courage. Friends are gifts of God. They're gifts from God. They're gifts who bring counsel, correction, comfort, courage. Two positive practical features so far of becoming better friends priority time, number two, multi dimensional care. Third, last one for today, maybe most difficult most difficult but most necessary forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 9 reads once again, I read this for you before. Whoever covers an offense seeks love but he repeats a matter separates close friends. You and I have got to learn how to cover overcome you see bandage and heal, move on from an offense or a hurt or a sin done against you if you don't learn this you've either never had close friends or you will never keep close friends this begins with our spouses of course right if you don't learn how to cover an offense with love forgive you will never 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 keep and grow in close friendships Forgiveness does not mean you feel better right away toward the other person. Forgiveness does not mean you completely forgot about what happened to you from that other person. Forgiveness does mean to not hold it against the other person in word, attitude, and deed. Forgiveness does mean that you do not hold it. You don't ask and look for payback from the other person who sinned or hurt you. And this might be the most bravest, difficult, loving, but Christ like thing you would ever do. In a book entitled Peacemakers by Ken Sandy, he offers us four specific promises, biblically speaking, that you and I make when you forgive someone. Or in other words, this is how you know you have really forgiven someone. This is great between spouses as well. Sonny and I used to have it on a refrigerator. Doesn't mean we kept it all the time. But these are four promises that you have really forgiven someone. Number one, I will not dwell on this incident. Number two, I will not bring this incident up and use it against you. Number three, I will not talk to others about this incident. Listen. If you have forgiven someone back in 2018 what is the reason you have informed or broadcast anyone else now in 2023 I will not talk to others about this incident number four I will not allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our personal relationship marvelous isn't it if you actually carry out what forgiveness really means, it means at least these four things. At least these four things. So you see, forgiving someone is not a one-time immediate reaction. It's not a good feeling. It's not a spiritual high. It's not just one-time prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's the Lord's prayer. Oh, I'm going to just pray that. But to forgive someone means you are giving up on vengeance. Let me say that again. To really forgive someone means you are letting go, surrendering. You are giving up on vengeance. You will not get back at that other person by way of withdrawal or dismissal or contempt in word and attitude or deed. And should hard feelings come up, should difficult, complex situations come up, to forgive someone never means a one-time act. You are called and commanded by your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to forgive that person again and again and again and again and again and again, and again. Should hard feelings and memories haunt you, to forgive someone means I will not get back at you. It'll cost me. It'll hurt me. I'll absorb it. But when you absorb that pain, when you, in other words, downsize or pay off that debt of pain, you know that pain? You know the enormity of that pain? It doesn't pass into you, but it starts to pass away. Oh, better friends, better friends. But what relationship in the world would not require forgiveness and reconciliation? To forgive you do not hold it against the other person ah now to reconcile reconciliation is different from forgiveness reconciliation is a step forward beyond forgiveness forgiveness says romans 15 insofar as it is possible with you be at peace with all men Christian people, you should not hold it against people in your heart. You should forgive all. You should be at peace with all peoples. Reconciliation means, though, come to my house, come to my party. Forgiveness says, I'm at peace with you. I'm not against you. I'm not out to get you. Reconciliation says, oh, I would hire you again to be in my family to take care of my kids once again. Reconciliation is that act where you go beyond peacemaking into actually, let's be friends again. Can we be friends again? But that only would happen with change, real repentance, real repentance that produces change. Let me give us an example from Apostle Paul's life once again. Acts chapter 15, Acts 15, verses 37 to 39. Now, Barnabas. By name, definition, encouragement, okay? This is an encourager. Wanted to take with them, John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement. They fought. They had a falling out, guys. It was major. So that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And Apostle Paul went elsewhere. The Apostle Paul and then with John Mark. Do you know who John Mark is? Not a small minor figure. This is the John Mark who wrote the Gospel of Mark. So we're talking about um, what you might say, Popular, powerful leadership figures within the early Christian world, Paul and John Mark separated. John was his Jewish name. Mark was his Roman name. Once again, like Saul and Paul, that's not a former after name. Please, Saul is his Jewish name. Paul is his Roman name. But they had such a falling out. They parted ways. You know what happened in Acts chapter 13? For some reason, John Mark accompanied Paul and Barnabas. And midway through the trip, he bailed on him. He deserted him. and just returned home. Read in chapter 13. I don't know why. I don't know what happened. So by the time we get to Acts chapter 15, Apostle Paul is done with Mark. I could conjecture Paul doesn't like quitters. He doesn't like people when the going gets tough or going gets rough. You just bail. I'm done with Mark. I never want to be around. And Barnabas, you can go off with him. Oh, he's weak. He's lame. He's just a quitter. Maybe Paul was all about, I'm all about grit. I'm all about toughness. I never quit. I just stay in the game all the way. It would be a mistake for any of us in this room, though, to think that's so simple. That is a simplistic description I'm offering. It's never that simple. It's not binary. There's a lot of nuance here. I don't know really what happened in the falling out between Paul and John Mark. But God is so astounding that he uses this split This separation of ways to double down and amplify the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, God is just amazing, right? God uses and redeems even that kind of falling out. But please make no mistake. Their falling out, their relational separation, their lack of forgiveness and lack of reconciliation is not pleasing to God. Not even close. It is not pleasing to God. It is not a witness of the gospel. It is not attractive for the non-believing world. There's really nothing good about it. But God can use it somehow for good. And so Paul, who had separated from John Mark, everyone knew about it, toward the end of his life, writes a letter to Timothy, a second letter to young Timothy, his disciple, in chapter four, verse 11, and here's what he says Timothy, get Mark. Get Mark. And bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. What a beautiful change. That's reconciliation. Paul wasn't just at peace with. John Mark from afar, Paul wanted his partnership and friendship up close. Maybe Paul repented. He's too rough. Maybe he's a bully. Maybe he was abusive. Maybe he's impatient. Maybe he has high standards and expectations that has no grace. Maybe John Mark repented. I shouldn't have quit. I shouldn't have quit. Why did I bail on my friends? I should have stayed. I should have endured. Maybe both repented. Maybe both repented. Maybe both changed. And that's why now we read toward the end of Paul's life, reconciliation. Oh, I find it enormously heartening and comforting to someone like me to realize that the apostle Paul himself... Wasn't always forgiving and reconciling. Did you know that Paul himself didn't do everything he preached and taught and wrote? Did you know that Paul was far from sinless but sinful, still even after his conversion? And that even Paul had to learn and grow in forgiveness and reconciliation? Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, written by Apostle Paul earlier in his life, earlier in his life. Here's what he instructed everyone else to do. But I want you to hear this in the context of Paul himself actually didn't do all this. Not all of it immediately. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must Forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Paul told everyone else, especially at the church at Colossae, forgive, forgive. But how did he himself learn to forgive? Notice what Paul doesn't say here. He never says, here's how you can forgive other people. Here's how I learned to forgive people. Just repress it. Deny it. Fake it. Minimize it. Just don't talk about it. You know, the more and more I get to love you, and you hopefully get to love your pastors, I realize there's such an enormous cultural thing going on where you repress and think it's just going to go away with time and you minimize and you fake the peace as to really, that was really hurtful and awful. What happened to you back then? Can I suggest something to you? When you deny or minimize, it comes out anyways, it'll always come out. It's just someone else is going to have to pay. Paul never says here for you to forgive other people, fake the funk fake the peace neither does he say hey you know why you should forgive people because it's the right thing to do it's the christian thing to do it's the biblical thing to do god tells you to do it therefore just do it paul does never motivates people to forgive other people based upon your moral or spiritual willpower Paul never bases the act of forgiveness on your natural abilities. Can I say this now further, if you're paying any attention now? Did you know forgiveness doesn't come from you? It'll never come from you. Forgiveness is not natural to you. It's not about your abilities or powers. It's all about his. Forgiveness didn't come from Paul. Paul never says, oh, I'm just a forgiving type. I'm not a forgiving. I'm just a forgiving person. No, The only way forgiveness, you and I can learn it and actually do it for the sake of all relationships in the world to not only last but grow in happiness and health is verse 13. It's always verse 13. And it's only verse 13. He says, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Listen. If you are stuck, you are trapped, you feel so caught, you are depressed or angry, you are so frustrated, why that past thing still has a stranglehold on your heart and upon your conscience. Can I give you much encouragement this day? You can't forgive by your own powers. You cannot get over the natural instincts that everybody in this room has. You know, everybody in this room, doesn't matter where you grew up, doesn't matter your education, doesn't matter your ethnicity, doesn't matter your early childhood religious training, doesn't matter your personality type. Again, it just doesn't matter. I know one thing for sure in this room if someone were come punch you in the face threaten the lives of people you love then threaten your reputation your property your own life everyone is going to react the exact same way eye for eye tooth for tooth i will make you pay i will get you back how in the world did apostle paul learn to forgive there came a day when the goat, the greatest of all time, the one that had offended and lived against the most, instead of demanding Paul's eye, Paul's teeth, Paul's life, Paul's blood, the greatest of all time in Jesus Christ, gave himself up instead for Paul. God in Jesus absorbed all the costs. Hated all the way down in Jesus Christ to not hold it against someone who had offended him so. And the only way Apostle Paul learned to forgive John Mark or anyone else in his life and the only way you and I are going to learn to forgive and reconcile with anyone who has hurt you so is to do exactly what Paul did in verse 13. You must replay and relive how God has treated you when you hurt him. Do you? Have you? Do you know God how he has treated you? With all our sins, with all our persistence, with all our pride, With the innumerable repetitions. As the Lord has forgiven you, so now you can turn around and forgive. It comes from Jesus. It cannot come from you. Oh, dear friends, the good news, the gospel is that you are not yet Christian until what Jesus does for you matters way more than what you can do for him. You are not yet Christian because if you can never forgive someone else, ever, you can never let them go. You always have to get them back. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. May I suggest to you, you have not yet received what Jesus Christ himself has done to forgive you. And so, in verse 15 we read, as you forgive, as Jesus has forgiven you, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts oh what peace peace of god and i like how paul says it rule reign prevail overcome dominate control you know i find it peace is one of those other little miracles that no one can buy no one can achieve, no one can maintain or control. This piece of Christ only comes to you as you forgive and reconcile the way God has done for you in the gospel. Oh friends, better friends, better friends. If you have yet to repent, turn away from trusting yourself, you're all about what can I do for Jesus? What can I do for Jesus? But you have never received what Jesus has really done for you by giving himself up for you. Receive him. And the peace and the forgiveness of God will come ruling in your life. For those of you struggling in forgiveness and reconciliation, as we all do, recall replay, relive, relive what Paul did on that road to Damascus when Jesus set him free. Well, friends, today we just learned three things, offer priority time, multidimensional care, and forgiveness and reconciliation. I'm Sorry to say, this just keeps going longer and longer, but next week will be part three on Sunday. I know it's Mother's Day, Try to make it as applicable to our wonderful, amazing moms, part three, but can I just give you a trailer to the conclusion? A trailer to the conclusion to this series. Your non-believing neighbors, my non-believing friends, your non-believing coworkers, even your non-believing relatives. They can better tell Jesus is the best of friends when Christian people become better friends. I think maybe the only and best way people can tell Jesus must be the best of friends. Oh, he must be better than I could have ever thought is when they get around a Christian person who becomes that much of a better friend. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, your spirit. We thank you most of all for the forgiving, reconciling work in the body and the blood of Jesus. And Lord, as you have forgiven so much, may you release and enable and empower your people to forgive and to seek Love and reconciliation above all. Hear us, we pray. Can I just give you a couple moments to pray? Pray with me before we go into the song of response. Let's pray together.